Local Media This Week is sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography. Good afternoon, you're listening to Scarif Bay Community Radio and Local Media This Week. The programme where we look at the Clare print media, we have the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo before us today. We're sitting around the table here and we're more or less ready to go. We have most of our usual uh, panel with us today. We have John S. Kelly. John. Morning, morning, Jim. Uh, we have Pat O'Brien. Pat. Good afternoon, Jim. And uh, we have no uh, David today. Unfortunately, he can't be with us, but off the bench again comes Luke Fleming. So, Luke, you're very welcome again. I should say good evening, seeing as we've had good morning, good afternoon, <laughs> good evening. <laughs> well, we're recording this on the Thursday evening, so we expect listeners to be listening to it on Sunday <coughs> afternoon. So anyway, you're all very welcome. My name is Jim Collins, and uh, we'll, we'll begin. I suppose we'll start at the front pages there, and we're here in East Clare, and we have an East Clare girl, uh, her photograph there, on the front of the Clare Echo, uh, it says Scarif's Holly Sturton. But I think before coming on air, John, we reckon that she's probably from Tungraney. She's from Raheen Hill. Yes. Uh, Tungraney. A bit of confusion there with uh, Tungraney and, and Scarif. Sometimes oh, borders yeah. are hard to find. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but uh, Luke would claim her. Of course you will. Okay. By the way, are we taking her now? Yes. We are. The um, extraordinary that in the village, in a small village like Tungreni, two have already emerged out of the art world, out of the uh, film world, uh, out of the acting schools, out of their experience as teenagers, have begun to make their name on the wider, wider stage. That's right. We have Frank Blake, of course, Frank. Who, who is well yeah. known, and Holly Sturton. Now, Holly is uh, in the new Netflix film, yeah. uh, The School for Good and Evil. And, and I actually, I looked up Netflix today. I didn't watch yeah. the film, but it is there. You didn't so, get anything yeah. from it at all, did you? Oh, no, I didn't. I just didn't yeah. have time. There's a write-up on page 15 there on the East Clare page, Jim. Yeah, go ahead, Pat. Yeah. Uh, Scarlett's Holly Styles in major Net- Netflix film. Uh, Scarlet actress Holly Sturton is staring in a hit Netflix film uh, what could be a breakout role from the clear native. Released last month, the fantasy film The School for Good and Evil is based on a fantasy fairy tale, a lexology of books by Soman Chenneri, I think. Holly plays the character of Beatrix, a student at the School of Good, whose mother was was the maiden who wrote Richard Rumpelstinkin. The film introduced us to a host of young students enrolling in the titular institution. Yes, so she's so and she, she, she's with Charlize Theron, Kerry Washington and mm-hmm. Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. Yeah. And, uh, and as well uh, as that, it's been listed, it's been listed now um, by Time as one of the most anticipated films of the year. Good stuff. Well, um, we'll remember, I mean, it, a lot of this goes back to Johnny O'Brien. It does. Mm. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, we, I, we remember Holly when she had the leading role in the musical Annie, yes. which was performed by the East Clare Music Society at Scarif Community College yeah. a in number of years 2015, ago. 2015, right. yeah. 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 We remember mm. her there with her dog. 
Yeah. I do she, she had her little dog, her own little dog. On stage. On stage yeah. with her, yes. Yeah. And we interviewed her, of course, on Scarif yeah. Bay Community Radio. Yeah. We get the latest from her as soon as she comes back down we, home. We will yeah. indeed. And the, the, it was it was uh, filmed in Belfast, all around Belfast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So good luck to her now. As, on the front page of the Clare Champion, uh, there's the headline there: a clear plan needed to drive Clare's support of Ukrainians. Um, and I suppose, uh, you know, if if we are to to show good neighbourliness and and kindness and um, willingness to help somebody in trouble um, it probably it needs to be done properly John it does yeah, indeed now we, t- we talked a few times uh, in the last uh, couple of months how East Clare didn't seem to be in, in action in relation to that very question you know of, of planning and we wondered about the, the vacant properties that were in the area, like the hotel and like the village, the golf village. And they're now being, well, the golf village is being called in now to actually play its part. And Luke was telling me earlier that uh, there are how many, Luke, in it? I think uh, approximately 30 there so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, was it, uh, Tom and Patricia Ann were talking to... Uh, a man from the village or the holiday village and I think approximately 30 at the moment with another 120 to arrive in the next few weeks. By golly, what mm. kind of planning is required for that? Oh, it's significant, but I, I just see Fiona's article in the in the champion there on, on like the figures. Yeah. The figures you're looking at, 8.8% um, of the population in North Clare are now Ukrainians. What percentage? Eight point eight. Yeah, you know that's. And uh, do we know anything about how well, effective says, the? Well, it, is there? it's basically there's um, three thousand five hundred and sixty-seven from Ukraine living in Clare, with forty-five percent or fifteen hundred ninety of two or one five nine two of those living in the Ennis Diamond electoral area. Yes, yeah. that's a very significant. Like if you if you think about it. It is. That's more than ten times what are going to be at the holiday village in in Budaik. Ten times. Ten times, and that's what's already in North Clare. How does how does one, for example, satisfy their need to be somewhat mobile in the village? The from the golfing village, uh, the nearest town is Scarab. Yeah, they have a bus. They have a bus there, John. They have the bus. The bus. The bus is surprised. Surprised. Mm-hmm. In, more, in, in, in most of those well, yeah. but, but what you don't want to do either you know for everybody's sake and for the Ukrainians as much as anybody else yeah. is, is to overcrowd a small area oh. yes. you know with, with new people mm-hmm. one, yes. whoever they are yeah. um, because that will cause difficulties yeah. uh, if you have too many people in a small area and you're talking about services, you're talking about, you know, all sorts of... Where, where services are already stretched, isn't it? Exactly. Very often? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, as he's Shane Telke here in, uh, in assignment, he's the postmaster in assignment, and he says the council Telke, who is also a postmaster in assignment, town said, is there a credit to the local community support groups that are accommodating the new arrivals has gone relatively, gone relatively well? Now, however, it is more obvious that this is a long-haul exercise. The response has been phenomenal. 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 Yes. Phenomenal. <laughs> and 
over the last nine months, but this is now a multi-annual challenge. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So I suppose, you know, we need, it needs to be spread out. The load needs to be spread yeah. over a wider area so that, let's say, the responsibility for looking after it doesn't fall just on a small number. Yes. In fact, it would be interesting to look at Kilinina, wouldn't it, and Flagmount in that regard. Yes. Uh, they have been in it now for quite some time. Yeah, there are 26 uh, Ukrainians living in the community there. 26? Yeah. yeah. And it appears to be going very well. Yeah. Do you know, I haven't mm. heard Well, well as, as well as it can, considering, yeah. you know, the circumstances that they're in. But mm. there's a big difference between having 26 living, you know, in around Kilnina and from what we have been told previously, a lot of them, you know, are in individual housing. They're not yeah. all together. Yes. Which would probably be, you know, easier to, to deal with because yes, you probably yeah. have people that would be able to, mm. you know, be of assistance to them. Yeah. Like the, the figures, the figures for North Clare are... Horrendous. Yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, there's another here, Dan, Dan has, a, has a story here on page 9. 3,207 refugees and tourist lodgings. Clare County Council estimates that there are 3,207 um, beneficiaries of temporary protection, most of which are, are believed to be Ukrainian refugees, currently accommodated in 30 hotels, hostels and self-casement accommodation across 14 location, local settlements. The council is coordinating a local response service across the, the county and the matching of Ukrainian people displaced as a result of the war to hostel accommodation. Like the, the article uh, at the end of Fiona's article there, Pat, on, on page two in The Champion, uh, the latest CSO figure showed there were 767 refugees living in the Shannon LEA, which I presume is electoral area, mm -hmm. uh, 762 in Ennis, 354 in Kilrush, and 92 in Killaloo. Mm. So even with the 150 coming in, we're still... This, you know, the Killaloo electoral area yes. is trailing significantly yeah. behind, behind um, West North Yeah, there. yeah. And nationally, nationally, on November the 6th, there were 62,425 arrivals from Ukraine into Ireland. Hmm. Yeah. But tell me, how does one structure a connection with the locals? I mean, nobody... This game is, as far as I can make out, uh, this group came out of the blue. Hmm. Nobody around seemed to be talking about, about them in anticipation. Am I, am I yeah, right? I suppose in, in the past, we say, I know the Ukrainians aren't like asylum seekers, but yes. I mean, the, the, the plan before was there was no plan, only land asylum seekers into a place, certainly tell no one before they come <laughs> until they're there. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, I would imagine the proper way of integrating people in is to get locals on board first Indeed. local mm. community groups yes mm. you know and how, it, how would you move be it, it soccer point, clubs yeah. ga club because you you have to bring these people on board first so, you know from a ga club from a soccer club from a rugby club from various other groups and and let them know they're coming so that they're prepared then to bring them in, you know, to integrate them and to get involved them yeah. in things, if they want to be involved in things in the community. Yeah. It's, it's worrying though, there's no evidence, as far as we're aware in the radio, there's no evidence uh, of uh, a vision, 
if you like. No, it seems to be on the hoof. I suppose it is a bit overwhelming as well, yeah. in fairness, you know, because so many people have come. Listen, we'll go on to the next. Yeah. I was wondering, John, have you ever been on bail? On bail? On bail, yes. I, I haven't ever been on bail, actually. Uh, yeah. There's a story in the front page. Uh, Ronan George has a story in the front page of the Fair Champion about an Ennis feud figure breached bail nine or ten times. What was he or she doing that uh, contributed to that? Well, I'm well, not... He, he, you can't he, name them. He, he fired a, a, a petrol um, bomb into a window of a house and he was on bail. Well, he wasn't bail. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. just wondering, you know, yeah, this thing, is it too easy to get bail? Well, uh, it, it's easier to give bail hmm. than not. Than not give bail, yeah. yes. It costs a lot of money. Uh, to house somebody in any of our prisons, right? Mm. So the fewer that are in prison, uh, the less expensive it is on the state coffers. So if you were given the experience, John, of being on bail, which you never have, yeah. and uh, would you think that if you broke bail once or twice, that you should continue to get bail? If I broke bail once, I think it should be enough. Should be enough, yeah. Uh, once. Sure. Definitely, yeah. Zero toleration for that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, would you not agree? I would oh, agree, I, of I, course. I would agree, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. It seems that mm, people are being bailed and... Right, left and centre. Right, right, left and centre. There's a, a cohort of people out there who don't care. And yeah. if they get bailed, they'll, they'll, they'll break it and they'll, yeah. and they'll probably get it again. And, you know, it's just... Mm. It's just, it's just and, 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 and who are they? Are only maybe people, law-abiding people there? Um, they're, they're, they're committing offences against. Yeah. So it's, I'm presuming it's the judges who give bail. A, a court must grant bail, I presume. Yeah, well, I suppose the, the police will make, Gardaí will make a case for mm. or against. Well, I'd say most of them go against giving bail. Do they? Most of the police. When you hear, if there's a court case normally in the paper or on the radio and television, if you hear it there, they're usually against giving bail. Yeah. I often wonder if the cost of imprisonment is taken into account when a judge is deciding, is he going to give bail? Now, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. But, you know, is he saying, well, or, or is he under instructions from someone saying, we can't afford to house all these prisoners or we haven't got enough space. So you must give bail. I'd imagine the, the Minister for Justice would have periodic conversations around that issue hmm. with the prison services. Okay. That would be to know if there are places available. Yeah. But it's a pity for the poor devil who's sitting inside watching his television and a petrol bomb comes in through the window yeah, and, and, and fired by someone who is on bail. No yeah, toleration. A couple of shots as well. No, no toleration. A home made fire. Listen, we'll, we'll go on again. UHL. Uh, UHL comes up again in the Clare Champion uh, at, on page one, Pat. There's a story there about a woman who was in difficulty in the the emergency department. Yeah, then, then I have the story there in front of the Clare Champion, uh, Jim. Woman 80 told she'd have to wait 24 hours for ED treatment. An 80-year-old Innes woman who sustained a bump on her head after a fall had to leave University Hospital Limerick after learning she may be forced to wait 24 hours for treatment. Mary Brew Innes recalled she took her rent Mary Byrne from Innes to Innes local injury unit in, 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 in Innes hospital, 
where it was recommended she should travel to a UHL for further examination of the bump in her head due, due to prescription of certain medication. Having arrived at the UHL at around 6.30pm on a Monday, Miss Brewer recalled there was nowhere to sit in the waiting room, which was a sea of people. After, after presenting the, the federal letter from NSU-LIU, Miss Brewer was informed there was a 24-hour wait. Miss Brewer tried to convince her aunt to stay for a while only to be told people in the waiting room that they had been in the ED for 27 hours. That's shocking. I was generally shocked, she huh? said. It's shocking, yeah. It is. It's shocking. It so. is, really. And, of course, on page two in the Clare Champion, um, but, but Dan Danaher has a, has a piece as well, a kind of a linked piece, John. And what Fif- are you saying? 15,322 people were on trolleys in UHL this year. And that's three times the number, for example, that were uh, on trolleys in Letterkenny University Hospital. Yeah. So what is wrong with UHL? Are we, get, are we getting... Down here in the Midwest, are we getting less healthy all the time? That we're heading to the. And there's also a shortage, you see, of, of GPs. Yes. Okay. And so everyone goes to. to, to the GP. To the or else they like, Emergency department. Yeah. I mean, the situation is crazy. Hmm. So we, we, we'll appoint. I tell you what we'll do. We'll appoint uh, Luke as Minister for Health. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> No, we won't ask. Uh, Possibly not a great decision, John. Oh, <laughs> 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 seriously, seriously, though. I mean, give me one idea that one could hold out to the public. Mm. I mean, this isn't new, of course. No. UHL has been a disaster for many, many, for decades, maybe. Yes. And so there is some problem. I, yes. I would put it back in your uh, capable hands, John, a suggestion so you have made previously where you said that all doctors that are trained in this country have to give a few years of their service at the commencement of their service. At the Well, they have to do the year's registration first. Uh, I, I understand that. Okay. But, 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 but just, say, just say for argument's sake, yeah. the first five years of their service has to be spent in this country. Has to be spent here. Yeah. Um, and, and that as a percentage time of that to be spent in hospitals. Because this... Uh, this is control-alt-delete, as I would refer to it as. It's the same thing all over again. It's Groundhog Day after Groundhog Day after Groundhog Day. It's the same problem. The trainee, trainee doctors are getting ridden left, right and centre, even though they have a new plan to stop them being ridden left, right and centre. They don't feel valued. They're overworked, underpaid. Not, and not, not getting No, and not getting the supports that they need. I said, anyone that has been in the healthcare system in Ireland that can actually get into it, in the vast majority of cases, have very good things to say about the level of care and treatment given. Indeed, indeed. But it's to get to that stage where we don't have, they argue we don't have enough consultants. Right, and then they were given out ten years ago about the contracts they were given to consultants. But they're offering you. They're they're in the process. I gather from the media, they're in the process of uh, offering enhanced yeah, uh, salary but, now. Yeah, but the reason why that's happened, John, is because they made a balls of it ten or fifteen years ago. Yeah, and it was a bit like uh, you had this argument that oh, we're going to we're going to give them, we'll show them who's boss. 
Yes. So you've these paper mandarins that sort of are looking at figures and saying, mm. we'll, show the, we'll show those consultants who's boss, mm. and we're not going to pay them that extra 20,000 a year that they're looking for. What, what is it wound up with? They've I, all, no, a lot of them have, have left, and yeah. you have these middle management in hospital systems, in the uh, HSE, that are getting paid huge amounts of money, and they're not managing, mm. because they're not capable of doing it. And the front, uh, the great line about the frontline staff, nurses and doctors, aren't there in sufficient numbers. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And I said the last day uh, I was on, remember, I referred to the number of Ar young Irish doctors that are in Correct. Yeah. Two, I've checked it out since, 250. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's amazing, yeah. I mean, it's unreal, lads. It is, it is. So we go back to Luke's point, which we've raised previously, and that is the actual uh, obligation on young doctors to give, we could disagree perhaps, uh, where you should slot in, you know, but the, uh, the principal we could buy into. And we'd have to inc include teachers as well in that, mm. and nurses, okay? Um, yeah. Okay? And we, we're not alone in the world in facing this kind of problem. No, I mean, during the week, uh, you mentioned teachers, the IPPN, the Irish Primary Principals Network, brought out a figure which showed uh, the difficulties that school principals face. And it's, it's pretty much similar to the, to the, except it's more dramatic in, a, in a, an emergency department when yeah. an 80-year-old woman has to wait 24 hours. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's less dramatic in the classroom, but it's no less harmful. How can John Citizen uh, contribute to some solution? We're in a democracy. We, the people, are supposed to be, you know, in a position to uh, come up with some thoughtful reflections on how we can uh, enhance the situation in relation to the doctors. But there must, be other, there must be other countries, John, that have good health services, and, and, and could we not, could we not uh, maybe go along and, and have a look at, 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 at health services in other countries that yeah. similar to our own size? You need more centres that can look after cases that on normal circumstances wouldn't require hospitalisation. Give an because, example there, can you? Well, no, you look at the scenario where Shannon Dock haven't the staff to operate at capacity. West right. Dock are the same. Yeah. So what do you do? You throw them all in to the regional, or UHL no. as it's mm. now called. Ennis, Nina closed 10, 12 years ago. They've all said they're not going to reopen as full emergency departments. And to a certain extent, you can, you can understand a level of that because the promise we were given was, what was Limerick going to be? The fabled centre of excellence. Excellent. Well, to, to be yeah. fair to this woman, she went to the local injury unit in, in Innes. Yes. And she was transferred from there, she was sent down, sent down to Limerick from, from there. Oh, well, that's fair enough, like, I mean, you know, I mean, if the, if the uh, uh, evaluation done in Innes suggests that she does need to go to... As, yeah. as, uh, well, we are suggesting here on this programme, then, that if your suggestion, John, of a five-year uh, kind of home service period was implemented, at least we would have enough doctors. We would. You know, yeah, you know and yeah. it would be a start. And, mm -hmm. and look at the level of doctors that are in rural Ireland. Fecal. 
yeah. were trying to fill a doctor's spot for years. Yeah. No. You know, mm-hmm. not able to do it. Yeah. No. Yeah. And you, you look at the people in North Clare, we'll say with, with the amount of Ukrainians that have come in, their, their medical centres that's been in the papers over weeks are under huge pressures. Yeah. You know? Okay, listen, we'll, we'll go on. So um, we'll pursue the idea of, of the contribution to the, to the state. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but but with that, John, they should be rewarded appropriately. Oh, because if you mm. think about it, 250 doctors that are in Australia, in right. Perth? Sorry, in, in Perth. Just, I, 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 I'm not quite sure figures involved, but what, if that cost 10 or 20 million euros a year to have those 250 doctors working in Ireland, give it 5 or 10 extra doctors per county, would that not make a significant difference? At that small cost, you talk about what was got. We're not talking no, mi- no, indeed, billions. Indeed, I, I, we we agree on this yeah. policy. The question is, we've got to get the the populace to agree on mm. it and back it. Yeah. Well, our job is to just throw out our own opinions, yes. and mm. listeners can but decide. Uh, uh, Nelson Conway was on this morning. He was he was uh, he got a good squeal in this morning. Nelson Conway. Yeah, oh yeah. And he said um, that there's um, a 96 bed unit now starts on, and that they're going to they're applying for they're going to build a second 96 bed unit. Then 48 of those, 48 of that 96 unit. And the first one is, is, gone. is, is yeah, yeah. It's only a replacement. It's replacement, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's not 96 new beds. No, but they're hoping then they'll be another 96 back maybe. In I'm sure there'll be about five. Ten years time. There'll be five or ten press releases to show them so all. They all be open. <laughs> Listen, on a more happier note, the, the Lime Tree Theatre in Limerick uh, have announced their panto, uh, which is Jack and the Beanstalk. It's on page four of the Care Champion, and they have. Um, the, the Lime Tree Theatre, which of course is managed by our own Louise Donlan, uh, who lives in Ogunlo. Um But uh, the, the whole thing is uh, the beanstalk is taller than Paul O'Connell. You'd be fair as tall. <laughs> that's a fair beanstalk. So yeah. that's. Um, that's on when, Jim? I'm just looking for the date, um, and I haven't got the date here. I presume it'll be. It'll be uh, on the run up uh, to Christmas. Yeah, a week yeah. or two before could Christmas. You, Jim. You're yeah. a grandfather with children at um, an appropriate age for the for the pantos. Yes. You? Do you did you ever go to a panto? I never I no, I never went to a panto. In my and life. did you ever do do any of the Christmas shows in Limerick in the old theatre, the city theatre and and the, the Savoy? I must say I've been deprived. Well I, all I can say is the 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 happiest of memories of um, pantomimes in Limerick, and uh, with what are the name of the two, the two guys? Um, Tom and Pascal. Tom, Tom and, and Pascal. Pascal. Tom yes. and Pascal. Mm. Brilliant comedians. Yeah. Anyway, um, so they're all good. Yeah. yeah. Just a few things as we go towards the break. Um, I see the Pat or um, Parik has on page four there, where the the talks are continuing in relation to the. Uh, transfer of the, the heritage sites from Shannon Heritage to Clare County Council. Yeah. Um, there isn't much news, I don't think, Pat. No, as, as Jordan says, after the heritage workers, as talks continue, uh, Paulie uh, McMahon has the story there on page four of the Echo. 
Kjenner jeg for hvor forbindelse lemmen med county councilers for running the infrastructure for actually tackling folk back into the ground? It seems by Councillor Jerry Flynn had been to organise an, an urgent meeting with CEO of Shannon Airport Group, Mary Councillor, and the elected members of Shannon Municipal District to discuss the serious issue facing employees at the Shannon Airport sites were passed open. Due to commercially sensitive discussions ongoing on a potential transfer of the four Clare sites between Shannon Group and Clare County Council, such a meeting was not deemed appropriate at this stage, acting senior executive of Shannon MD and Griffin advised having spoken with senior officials in Shannon in the Shannon Group. Yeah. I suppose uh, I, I, I heard um, the Minister um, for Finance this morning, uh, Pascal Donovo, he, he was on Clare FM. Yeah. And um, he he get, he was sort of given assurance that there would be there would be news in the next few weeks. Mm. We, we, we heard that. <laughs> oh, we have heard that a long time. We yeah. heard that. Uh, was it the first time I heard uh, a forthcoming bonanza for the Shandar, for the county? Uh, sometime pre-summer. Yes, but of course, problems always arise then, John. <laughs> yes. John, but, I'm just to go on to something different. Um, on page five of the Clare Champion, a lovely photograph there of our own Brendan Bugler. Indeed. Um, the uh, past pupil of yours and mine. Indeed, indeed. But, uh, and County Harler. Yes, Clare GA looking to the future. And uh, the, the Clare GA Youth Committee um, have, has been, or is being put together. No. And uh, I, you approve of that, John? I do indeed. And it's the first, we're, County Clare, now in fairness, from what I gather from the media today, is that uh, they are the first county in Ireland to actually push with this youth committee. I mean, why is it taking so long for us to cotton on to the great mass of energy that's out there among the youth? And by the way, I never cease to be very happy when I drive down through town and I see six and seven-year-olds, all times of the day and the evening, making their way up to a pitch with their hurlings, or maybe yeah. a bit of hurling on the street, mm. whatever. The, the social advantages, uh, you know, that uh, attach to this. Uh, take the, take the, to the, the Holly, Holly Sturton, uh, who became involved uh, as a hobby in the world of drama and music. Okay. That would be Holly Sturton from uh, Raheen Road to Graney. Of course it would be. <laughs> Not the scarf Holly Sturton <laughs> on the front page <laughs> of the clear echo. But I mean, f for people living out the country, we should, say, we should encourage our young people, while they're still young, to join clubs, uh, become involved in hobbies, okay? Mm. Uh, build up skills, so that when the day comes that you are leaving, after your leaving certificate, or your apprenticeship, whatever, university, that you'll have hobbies that you can actually attach yourself to. Mm. And so you go to a strange place then, you're going to find that you have mm. uh, a, ready, a ready entree. Yes. To Be it a drama group or a hurling club or a soccer club. Or and could I say, could I just say, uh, finally on that one, before I pass it on to Pat because he's dying to get in. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we'll come, come to it, Pat, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in the second half, and that is the Tinder 
uh, we have a better success rate than Tinder. Heading on the Ennis news, we have to address that. Okay. Uh, well, well, you might as well address I've it addressed now. addressed it already. Yeah, you might as well address it now, Jim, because <laughs> it's, it's not an East Clare uh, debate. No. Yeah. Go on, John, oh, tell oh, us about okay. it. Okay. Now, imagine the musical society in Ennis, very strong musical society, but a little weakness on the gender side. So they're asking men, would you please come out and join our musical society? Apart from the fact that you'll enjoy the music, apart from the fact that you'll, you know, uh, have, have great fun with the music and with the acting or with the stage building, but you'll also, the women are saying this, no, not me, uh, you'll also find a ready mix of ladies who are exceptionally anxious to meet more men and they need you. Now, what, what, a, what an invitation. Yes. God, I, they one, one that's difficult to refuse, John. Oh, indeed, indeed, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not Pat. You were you were thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, the um, racial colleague of the Ennis Music Society explains that we are always looking for men. Often we might have one or two men in the entire cast, and you and you miss a baritone and tenors. It is impacted on our ability to collect awards because of the shortage of voices in the choir. Men have 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 taken to the stage with the group often ending up falling in love with fellow cast members as opposed to drama. When men do join, which is very rare, they, they nearly always end up married to someone else in the group. So we have bigger success rate than, in oh. this musical society than tender racial crypt. Isn't that brilliant? I tell you, now, what do you think of that? Yes. And cementing the whole future of the musical society. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Luke, you have a farming story. Yeah, it, it refers to North Clare, and I, I know we're under pressure for time, but basically um, issues were... It, seem to be coming to the surface in recent weeks in relation to uh, the burn and uh, we'll say a few of the programs that are in existence there and it's on page four of the echo and it's on page five uh, of the champion Porrick writes that manager of the burn program dr brendan dunford has confirmed that himself and sharon power are standing down from the acres burn iron cooperation project now there is um I know there has been unease in uh, amongst the farming community in North Clare in relation to it, and Fiona is writing that the agriculture ministers to meet farmers on two highly successful Clare environmental schemes amid fears over the fallout from their amalgamation into a new nationwide programme. And when you have good programmes that are designed specifically for such a unique area as the mm -hmm. Burn. And when I read about their amalgamation into a new nationwide program, I have serious concerns yeah. mm. because the Bourne is a unique the area. The Bourne. The Bourne. You'd have to ask why. The Bourne is not East Clare. No. You know. No. Right. You know. You. In relation to that, so uh, th that's that's it. Anyway, uh, uh, Senator Dooley, who met farmers on a visit to the Bourne recently with MEP Billy Kelleher, that's our own Timmy, said he was hopeful that fears over a drop in pavement payments could be allayed. But uh, then Minister McConnellogue is saying that. Uh, the Bourne programme could now be extended as farmer participation increases by 300% and an extra 29,000 hectares of land is covered. I didn't realise the Bourne had grown. But yes. we'll leave it at yes. that. It's a debate for another day. Okay, Pat. Very important point. As we come up to the break, um, we had a rather sad event during the week um, with the passing of the late Vicky Phelan. 
And that's, uh, that's covered, I think, on page two um, of the Clare Champion. Yeah, and it's also page, on, on page two of, of, page of the, one, of the page Echo. Page two of the Clare Echo. Of the Echo. Okay. Yeah, so I suppose everybody uh, in the country knows um, Vicky Field and uh, so she's to say that she, she passed away in the earlier this week and all the work she has done for, um, for women and, and, and their um, medical, uh, medical problems over the last few years. And I suppose uh, she, she, she had to go to court and all, um, even when she was sick and all that as well. So just, and I think um, a, there was a good bit of criticism early in the week that a lot of, the, a lot of the, the, what was decided hasn't been implemented as well. You know that um, all the, the things that were recommended and that were maybe agreed on, and still there's still a lot of not, not, not um, acted upon fully. Not acted upon full time, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But do you have a little bit of information about uh, where Vicky came from? So Vicky was from Kilkenny, and she was from one kind. And um, her maiden name is actually she was a, a namesake of one John Kelly. She was uh, Nikki Kelly was her maiden name. So. We we have a bit of music in, in honor of uh, Vicky this week and uh, the Rose of Mankind. Oh, lovely. Okay, thanks, Pat. How pleasant to roam by the sunny blue stream to hear the dove coo meet the morning sunbeam for the thrush and the robin. Their sweet notes entwine On the banks of the shore That flows down by moon coin You're very welcome back. You're listening to local media this week on Scarth Bay Community Radio. And Pat's choice there for part one was the Rose of Moon Coin in remembering the late Vicky Phelan. I suppose part two of this programme is where we look at local issues and local um, developments. And I suppose one of the, the major ones uh, has been the announcement of funding for Holy Island. Um, can I ask you, John, if you were, imagine yourself as a visitor to East Clare and you're brought to Mount Shannon to the Interpretive Centre before you're brought out onto the lake, what would you be looking for? A good question. Luke, before we went on air, Luke and myself were talking about this. What is the ultimate vision for Holy Island? And there are models of different levels around us in, in Ireland. Whether you look at Clonmac Noise, which is a nearly a quiet, uh, isn't it, site. Um, rarely packed. The other side of the coin would appear to be uh, maybe the Cliffs of Moher. And you hear people saying, we want to hold on to people when they come down. Uh, we want Mount Shannon to be a glue pot so that money will be spent, not like the, the situation uh, pertaining to uh, the Cliffs of Moher, where we're talking about busloads in, park in, out of, with hardly a, a euro left. Although having said that, I was there this year and uh, the dining room, the dining area was absolutely packed. 
in the cliffs. In the cliffs, yeah. Mm. yeah. But of course, you want other places, you want other villages, you want hotels, you want pubs, you yeah. want restaurants, cafes to benefit. Well, you see, how do you deal with that? And it's a circuitous way of coming around to your question. There's a small museum in Kilfenora, very well worth while community development. Okay. Um, you'd like visitors to see that. You'd like people to stop at Lemina Castle, okay? Do you know? And, and you'd like to learn something about the architecture, the strange architecture that surrounds the castle and, and of which the castle is part of. Mm. So that all takes time and it all, it all takes movement, doesn't it? You, you don't walk it. Uh, so back to your question, what am I looking for? I'm looking for an ambience that in some way or another can conjure up for me a uh, early medieval uh, history. Okay? And uh, in order to get that, what do I need physically? Do I need uh, recordings? Could I say to you, John, mm -hmm. what do you need physically that's going to cost five million euros? I nearly had uh, apoplexy when I saw the, that figure mentioned. It is not in my book. I mean, it would have to be much, much more uh, cost-effective. So... Do you want a, an interpretive centre that with, with Inishkaltra at its core, but giving you an insight into the entire East Clare Oh, yes. And that is essentially what, what I'm talking about. Yeah, but the whole ecc ecclesiastical, you would be including Clan Noise in it. And you would be including, we'll say, you know, Killaloo area, St. Cronus, Tungraney into it, because they, they are all linked. But not all on the one day. No, no, no. But if you're trying to interpret the area, and yeah. this is my, my query, you know, concern in relation to this is, um, you've alluded to the the plan for that exists at the cliffs, yeah, which is basically, you know, pile them high from all around the country, bring them in for a few hours, and get them out. Yeah. They look at the cliffs, take their photos, and uh, they're back in Dublin uh, yeah. before seven o'clock and even having their dinner. <laughs> That's all well and good, but they're not really contributing much to the local area. You hear them Not are they learning much about it. Correct, but mm -hmm. you hear them constantly talking about this concept of slow tourism. Mm -hmm. And that will say East Clare is rife for slow tourism. So my idea, or my version of what a slow tourism thing would be that it could be part of a package where you would spend more than two hours being told, right, you start here, uh, walk up there, you've 20 minutes in the centre, uh, go to the loo and get back on the bus. I said, you have different areas around East Clare. You know, and we say, uh, you're talking about 20,000 people rising to 75,000. Now, are you going to tell me there's going to be 75,000 people walking out on Holy Island? No, I don't think so. No, but... The, the plans that were initially produced by the famous consultants in relation to this envisage two 50-seater boats ferrying people out and back from the island. Is that what we want? We want? That's because no. two, 50 people on a boat, to me, is pile them high, you know, maybe press play on a, 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 a button for, for a DVD or something mm. like that. That mm. may give a, a version of a history, but it's... It's not going to, you know, 
tell the story adequately. Can you actually get uh, the story audio in, in, the, in an interpretive centre and go out on the island uh, with it? Well, that may be a possibility. I'm but, sure that's a possibility. But, but I, I, I just can't see why the need to invest 5 million euros, which, now I'm, I'm open to correction, but is it 5 million euros in a building? I, 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 you know, I, I said, I, how many jobs is that building going to create? If it was a case that, I said, just for argument's sake, that if, uh, now we know there, there's one man that we say down in the harbour that provides a, a, a boat service, <coughs> but that's a four, maybe six, seven seater uh, boat. Mm -hmm. Just say if there were three people with 10 seater boats, you would be employing three people down at the, at the yeah. harbour. Hmm. You know, that I, I think there's a, there's a, there's a lot to be um, spoken about it. Like, and they, they say, it has, it has the potential to sustain 12 full-time equivalent jobs. Now, potential... That's, that, that's not a lot. I don't in, think In it terms is. of East Clare. Like, I, I'd ask the, you know, the question, how many are employed up at the cliffs? On a year mm. basis and seasonal basis. Now, I know the numbers yeah. are significantly different. Oh, you're to never go for one, aren't you? Mm. But, you know, if the, in shops and if the thing can be managed in such a way that it doesn't attract, you know, several busloads every day during the season. But, you know, you do it on an East Clare-wide basis, and I mean, mm -hmm. I agree with you fully, like Inish Caltra is totally tied up with St. Cronin's, and that's tied up with Kinaloo, yeah. and I mean, and the whole experience mm -hmm. gives, but you have to be able, you have to travel through East Clare for mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So, and, I mean, and you would be travelling through it slowly, Jim. Yes. Not, you know, you you would you could spend you know maybe three quarters of an hour half an hour in Tungreni you could spend an hour in Killaloo and then spend you could do your half an hour or an hour in the interpretive centre mm. out in uh, Mount Shannon and then if you want to go to the island you go out yes and you stay locally that night mm. hopefully hopefully with relevant accommodation yes provided. and uh, can I can ask you as you pursue that particular objective uh, our, de our design Luke. Um, where is the information that's going to create the, the, the mood for you, or help to create the mood? Where is that information going to come from? How is it going to be made available to you, the, the visitor? And there are many different forms in which you can take, some which would require intense driving, starting beyond perhaps at Queen Abbey, hmm. you know, the most beautiful example of medieval architecture, do you know? But you need information to, uh, to enhance the experience. You do. So, a discussion must take place around what form is that going to be. We have the, the ruins of the workhouse on Drewsborough, um, easily presentable now, uh, but it needs voice, either electronically or in the... And you have the grave, the Kashira, over uh, just yeah, beyond Grainy. So, so how do you handle that, Luke? Well, I, I don't think they're specifically tied with, say, to Holy Island, John. They're probably a, a different matter. But are you talking about uh, where you said the, the wider area of, of, of the plan? I see the, the council's tourism officer, uh, Porrick, has it there on page 11, Joan Tarmy, yeah. briefing councillors on the plans, quoted, it's probably the most significant tourism project in East Clare. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
it sort of gives you a fair indicator of what Clare County Council have thought of East Clare prior to now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Because name, name me a significant tourist uh, plan they've come up with previously. Yeah. Yeah. And yet there is so much in East Clare. There is. Whether, whether it's you know, ecclesiastical history or whether it's hill walking, you know, or whether it's historical looking at the, the ruins of the, of the workhouse and all. There's so many things all over East Clare. I'm just wondering, should a place like that, mm-hmm. like the Interpretive Centre, kind of tie them all a bit together with, with Inish Caltra as its centre? Well, because one would hope it would. Yeah. Because one would hope that, it, you know, whatever is presented there links all of these things. Hmm. But I, I remain to be convinced. Okay. Listen, yeah. we're nearly out of time, but um, we're just uh, one or two items there. On uh, page 13 of the Clare Champion, on the Clare, East Clare page, uh, there, there's been uh, an award given by Scariff Community College for creative writing uh, to Emily Chen for her poem, They Say. And that's the the, the first Edna O'Brien Award for creative it's writing. It's not just actors we have in Tungreni. <laughs> it's writers the, as well. We have famous authors as well. Fiona, Fiona McGarry has the article there and sent the very first creative writing award in memory of a legendary Tungreni author, Edna O'Brien, was presented at Scarif Community College. And John, this is where I'll plant my dig at you again. That would be Scarif Community College in Tungreni. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the inaugural, inaugural winner of the award, which was initiated by a teacher, uh, Shula Colloran, and in fairness, Shula is from Scarif, I'll give her that, <laughs> in collaboration with Miss O'Brien's family of six-year student, em- Emily Chen, and uh, Emily's poem was called They, they Say, and they had a few uh, people down uh, in relation to it and gi- giving, um, we'll say, uh, talks as well, and uh, uh, fellow Tungreni native and uh, nephew of uh, Edna O'Brien, Michael Blake, shift keep of Degacan, winning Team Ireland, uh, was present for on behalf of He's Edna. laying it on, on fairly quick, John, today. <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing him. <laughs> and listen, I'm just, I suppose we, we need to move on, really, um, and, and congratulations to Emily and congratulations to the to the college. And you'll be able to listen back to, to some clips from that in the near future. Ian Kelly for his sculpture. Ian Kelly for his sculpture. And as it says, as well. we will <laughs> have that featured hopefully next weekend on Scarif Bay Community Radio. Now living into great. Yeah. <laughs> Smith O'Brien's pet are uh, they're doing great work and their grounds. Oh dear, yeah, long distance swimming achievement of Kilo's Horsey Foley inspired the local GA club to compete a fundraising marathon. For the community club for development recently. Rosie has completed a triple crown of long distance swimming and um, Smith O'Brien's GA club and Camogie club chairman Patrick Evans came up with a novel fundraiser of confirm following confirmation Rosie will be induced into the Ireland Marathon Swimming Hall of Fame at the ILDSA Awards event in Mullagare later this month. The club hosted a family fund one Rowerton day in the sports arena with the aim of promoting their appreciation uh, world fundraiser. The Windsor girls and boys of all ages working hard on three stationary rowing machines to, to cruise the back in it and back around trip for hundred kilometers. So it is a uh, they're raising money for to develop their 
their um, club, their gym, the clubhouse and the gym. And yeah, so they've, they've, um, multi- they've great, they're doing great work. Multi-purpose um, indoor arena and um, and the stand and all that. So yeah. That's what they, they need some more work and they are getting some money from um, the, the sport island as well. Yes. So I suppose they have to raise so much money themselves beforehand, really, to what they can draw down their funds. So let's look to them and their... And their uh, yeah, and another yeah, facilities. I said another GEA uh, clo- uh, club in East Clare to be commended for what they are doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. Providing facilities. Uh, John Reverend Paul Fitzpatrick. Uh, hopefully, uh, we as as we speak, we're hoping to have him on on Saturday Chronicle, but we we'll, we we don't know that yet. Um, we're working but, on it. But he's organising. A series of Advent talks, mm-hmm. one every week for for four weeks, yeah. on you know exploring and I suppose helping people deal with mental health issues. So it's certainly worth mentioning, and we want to mention Indeed. the fact that that those are going to happen every Tuesday night, mm-hmm. leading up to Christmas. Where exactly, Jim? In the cathedral. In the cathedral. In the cathedral. Uh, I would imagine it'll be online. Yeah. Um, so people can, but every Tuesday night for the four Tuesday nights leading so up to at, Christmas. At what time again? I'm not sure what time. Uh, 7.30 p.m. 730 uh, 730. Sta- starting on Tuesday, November 29th, uh, you have yes. Father Peter McVerry. It's uh, Dan Danner has the article there on page nine of The Champion. Uh, yeah. Peter McVerry is at 29th of November, Paul Ritchie, Limerick Be- Baptist Church. Uh, he's there Tuesday, December 6th at 7.30 p.m. The third talk is David Bolton, the author of Conflict, Peace and Mental Health, and he is on the 13th of December, 7.30, and uh, mental health campaigner Leona O'Callaghan will deliver the final talk on Tuesday, December 20th at 7.30 also. And you can listen to the talks in person or via the Cathedral webcam on www.cathedral.killoo.anglican.org. Okay. And Pat, I, a man who often goes into Ennis, be it going to a match or going somewhere, uh, page eight of the Clare Champion, Pat, would interest you. Because yeah. uh, have you ever heard of Hinchy's Cross? <laughs> I press it on a weekly basis. Uh, How would you rate it, Pat? <laughs> it's dangerous, actually. Because yeah. well, you, what, what aspect of it would make it dangerous? Well, if you're coming out from, from the side roads, you have, you have a hill at both sides up. And uh, on the main road, and when the cars come on, you 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 have an awful lot of a of a view and a chance yeah. coming out. You, you know, it's dangerous, dangerous enough. As far as I know, the council um, put in a plan to to Eamon Ryan, Minister Eamon Ryan, for money, and he, he turned it down. He turned and it down. Yeah, and there was a there was an accident there a couple of weeks ago, and there was a man from Belnair killed. In it. Mm. Yeah, very close. Just, to it, just yeah. above the just above the, the above the, the cross. How did, how did the minister respond to that? Well, I think he's looking at it again. They, they went back to him and he's looking at it again. Yeah. But yeah. there's a so walk on an unsafe junction rated 1 out of 10. Safely walks the notorious Finches Cross deemed totally insufficient by East Clare councillors. They've done some work there recently, but there's only a token amount of work. That's so it's only surface. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you look at that road, I mean, and we all remember what it was like going back 20, 30 years ago. Um, but... We'll say from Henchy's Cross to Tulla, mm. it's a fabulous road. Yeah, yeah. And from Henchy's Cross in towards Ennis, it's, it's, fine, it's right, hugely yeah. improved, yeah, including, yeah. you know, the, the, the works there at Clooney. Mm. But just that little piece of a yeah, few yeah, hundred yeah. a house kind of spot in the middle of that? 
Well, there's a, there's a house beyond the, I think it's beyond the pit, I think she across the way from the pub there. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. Is, you, well, you'd have to think that if the road, if the, the hill that's there, yeah, the road is straight. That could be dug out. Hmm. Good. And well, that's what they'd have to do. And a gradient. The, there were other, uh, you'll remember, yeah. there were other hills yes. in, oh, in yeah. that area yeah. that yeah. were yeah. dug out. Yeah. And, and the road was flattened. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I said Alan O'Callaghan, uh, or Cahirlick uh, of uh, the East, East Clare yeah. Municipal District, uh, said it was a pity that this section of one of East Clare's arterial routes had not been made safer. The road got a good upgrade, but this has been left behind, he said. Uh, it's on our programme of works, but funding is now the issue. The minister must pony up so that a proper job can be done. Well, let's hope he does. Listen, we're out of time. Um, we're, we're way over time at this case. Uh, Pat, um, first of all, my thanks to you and to John S. and to Luke, who substituted again bravely today. <laughs> and uh, thanks mainly to you, the listener. Uh, for listening to us for the last 60 minutes or so. Pat, what bit of music are we going to uh, play out on today? Well, we this was a very famous um, singer from the, maybe the 50s and the 60s, the tune of Clark, that she was 90 and choose the last. So we'll finish up with Downtown. Downtown, excellent. Okay, thank you very much again for listening. I look forward to meeting you next Sunday afternoon again. So from all of us here, goodbye and God bless. is making you lonely you can always go downtown when you've got worries all the noise